0: Om Sahana Bhavatu Sahano Bunaktu yam Karabahai Tejaspanavadi Tamastu Ma Om Shanti 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 Om. May Brahman protect us all. May He nourish us all. May we work together with great energy. May our study be vigorous and fruitful. May love and harmony dwell amongst us all. Own peace, peace, peace be unto us all. So, today's talk is on principles, processes, and practices. Of Adanta, of course. It's a very interesting religion we have. Very sophisticated the whole world is moving up into new sophistications, as it were. And so in order to address the age, uh, we wonder what we're going to... What's going to be happening in the new age, in the postmodern world that they're talking about. I want to read just a bit. I, was, I didn't put it in my things, in my notes, but I want to read a little from Eckhart Tolle, A New Earth. Only because he captures a little of this process of principles, processes, and practices. How, when when life evolves, there's a period of chaos. In other words, in your own life, when you're faced with changes and transformations, and you go through a period in which you're not on top of things, but you lose control. It's a very important period, and it's called a period of chaos. But it's out of that chaos that's born something bigger and stronger and deeper. And very often, we all have to face that. We have to come to a place in our lives where we don't know if we're up or down. We really don't know where we're at. There's a a real upheaval and and confusion going on inside of us. But if we persist in whatever practices we have, gradually it, it all distills down, it refines down, and out of it is born something new and stronger within us. Now the reason that happens is because we're inherently strong. Vakananda that said that's part of the new religion. It's a sin to call ourselves weak. It's one of the things. We're always, we're always being reborn in our lives. And the reason we can be reborn, we have the power of rebirth, is because we're inherently divine. And no matter how far we sink down, how far we fall into despair, ultimately the aim is in a positive upward direction. That's the whole point of the Vedanta. So it's a very powerful um, system of thought. Now Eckhart Tolle puts it this way in terms of this process of transformation that takes place in our lives. He says, any life form in any realm, mineral, vegetable, animal or human, can be said to undergo enlightenment. See, everything is getting enlightened. The whole of creation is opening up, as we'll see. Everything is birthing its own potential as well as a larger potential because there's this divine potential working within all of creation. So he says it can be said to undergo enlightenment. It is, however, an extremely rare occurrence since it is more than an evolutionary progression. It also implies a discontinuity in its development A leap to an entirely different level of being. And most important, a lessening of materiality. When there is born in us this higher state, uh, higher states of consciousness, when we have peak experiences, when our life begins to change and transform little by little, and we have these openings, it also requires a kind of change, a radical change inside of us. So, let me read from the, from the Mundak Upanishad. See, in this idea of principles, processes, and practices. The Mundak Upanishad is one of our old scriptures, but it contains this theme. It says, Sonaka, the great householder, approached Angiras in the proper manner and said, Revered sir, what is that by knowing of which all this becomes known? What is that by which I know I can then understand everything else around me? How? What is it that that I could find in my life that will be so primary, so fundamental, so core, that once I get to it, I could start defining and explaining everything? That's what they're trying to do now in these evolutionary systems, these new systems that are coming out in the world. And then... And then uh, the, the teacher said to him, he says, two kinds of knowledge must, mean, must be known. That is what the knowers of Brahman, or that expansive spiritual reality, that's there and touches our lives all the time, that's what they speak about. They, they are the higher knowledge and the lower knowledge. Okay? There's a higher knowledge in our lives that's always trying to burst out. It's always calling to us the hound of heaven. And then there's the ordinary knowledge that we're birthing in our lives as we go through our lives and we succeed in different ways. And we grow in different ways and we mature in different ways and we empower ourselves in different ways. But there's this other knowledge, this higher knowing that's calling to us behind it all. And as we'll see in this talk, that's the knowing, that's the thing that's driving us. That's the real source that's driving us in this world to grow and expand. And we'll see in this principles, processes, and practices that this grand principle of the divine is there, and everything is processing it. And the grand practice, the grand practice going on everywhere is a letting go and an opening out, no longer clinging to things, no matter what it is we achieve, as we'll see in this talk. Whenever we do achieve something new in our lives, we have to let go. Mark it. (laughs) Whenever you want to achieve and grow and expand within and find greater strength and greater inner power, you're going to have to let go. And it's out of that letting go that's born your strength. And you have to go through chaos and confusion, see? So he says, these are the two knowings, and he says, of these the lower knowledge is the Rig Veda, the Yajur, the Sama, the Tatarva Veda. He says, but it's phonetics, rituals, grammar, etymology, meter, astronomy. It's worldly knowledge, secular knowledge, the knowledge we confront every day in our lives. We read it in the newspapers, we go to universities and we assimilate it, and we expand and grow. Okay. But it's never enough. He says, that's okay. But there's this higher knowledge, this teacher says. There's a higher knowing. And that with that knowledge comes the imperishable. You, you perceive something that is imperishable in life. He says, by means of the higher knowledge, the wise behold everywhere. That's spiritual reality. Their heart opens up. See, whenever you do get an epiphany... Whenever you have a peak experience in your life, your heart opens up. We're always working from the heart chakra. It's just that some people are so caught up and so miserable, their heart chakras are pretty closed down. They can't really walk around with an open heart chakra. Now, what we all want are open heart chakras because what that does is give us the capacity to love, and we encourage love, and then out of that love is born strength. Always remember, strength is the product of all of this. We don't want to be weak. Not one of us wants to hang out with weak people, unless we're paid for it. <laughs> you get paid, and then you, you, you'll work hard in order to take care of people who are, who are sick or something, invalid or whatever. There are other people who are very compassionate and just do that. And that's just a curious, powerful swadharma they have, a destiny they have. But we always want to mix, though, with those that are powerful because we instinctively appreciate power, strength. We all do, you know. And we love to see our heroes fall in the newspapers and all our great, you know, and they make their mistakes, and we see their humanity as well. It's curious. But anyway, with this knowledge, higher knowledge, it cannot be, he says, we we behold this higher, through higher knowledge, the wise beholds everywhere the spiritual reality which otherwise cannot be seen or seized. You can't see it. You can't seize it like we do with our sense organs. Can't, it has no root or attributes. No root, no attributes. It's peaceful. It's loving. It's free. You know it. You know it in your heart of hearts. You've experienced it. We've all experienced it. You can't grasp it. You can't hold on to it. But it's there all the time. It has... No hands, feet, no ears or eyes, which is eternal and omnipresent. Eternal and omnipresent. It's all pervading, extremely subtle, which is imperishable and the source of all beings. Now that's the Vedanta. That's all of Vedanta speaks about all the time. The spiritual reality that's working in all of our lives. You're walking down a street. You're wondering what you're going to do. The sun glistens off of a, wa- a wall or off of a, a window pane. And suddenly you say, well, you know, life is pretty good. Life is pretty good. And then you go to the Starbucks and you sit down. Life is really good. <laughs> And your heart opens up. You sense a unity, something bigger in life than yourself. So there are so many religions today, you see, and they're all distinct identities. They all, all the religions of the world, have very distinct identities. We know them, we all know them distinctly. So, what's ours? What is our distinct identity as Vedantins? You could come up with all sorts of things. What makes us stand out is unique. And it's really this marvelous statement made in the Mundaka Upanishad and put now in an evolutionary context, spirituality is really all, nothing more than lesser knowings unfolding out into this transcendent knowing. That's all it is. Now, when you come to religions, they'll tell you, no, you have to to fall into our, our ways of doing things. And you have to worship certain people or get into a, a program that we set up for you. But no, the Vedanta says no. It's all an unfolding out of lesser knowings into this higher intuitive knowing that every it's the property of all of us. It's the, your property. You can't help but become good in spite of yourself. In spite of ourselves and our weaknesses and our problems, we're destined to, be, to become strong. Okay? We have no choice. Now, this is a very important thing for us to know, and a, a very important thing um, for, us to, for us how to define ourselves because of the age. Because every group tends to fall into, uh, into a very distinct model, a, a distinct form, and I'm against it. I'm totally against it. I think the system, this new religion that's emerging, in fact, is not going to be distinct. Its only characteristics are going to be a definition of how consciousness unfolds. And then everybody is going to be able to entertain and own that on their own terms. It's very important that people are given that freedom, see, nowadays, especially. So, what is the Vedanta? I've pursued this, and I just want to... I want to point out right here at this point how there are stratas of confusion, gray areas, lacking connection, areas lacking connection, contradictory statements will come across at times, orthodoxy versus unorthodox views, cultural, theological problems geographical, historical renditions of the Vedanta. But as you continue to look at it, and you continue to see Vekinana's message, that's all it's about. That was all that Vekinana talked about in the West. How to unfold that divine potential that is speaking in our lives every day. Every moment. You get up in the morning, and I tell you, it's so important to pull yourself together And repeat some mantra or do some spiritual practice. Because every day the mind has a choice. It can either go into the world or it can go towards God. Now, it's quite all right if you want to go into the world. But you know the pain that comes with that. We all know the suffering and pain. Unless you come to the world with an open heart. And with a sense of inner strength and order, so that you can handle the world and assimilate it properly. See, and if you can't do that, then we suffer. So, Vaikananda was very clear about this. He was very clear about learning this art of being present in the world, living in a way that's unselfish, and so that we can gradually unfold our potential. That's the whole idea. And that's what this Vedanta system works off of, this simple pr- principle, all-inclusive principle. It's alive and dynamic within everything. And our arts, you see, you could trace it out into the field of arts, aesthetics, science. It's calling to everything. Everybody wants to open out. That's why I love to go to, to art museums, art art. You know, places of art, and just because there is this attempt at expansiveness everywhere, people are trying to keep their hearts open, and they do these things with an open heart. It may be confining at times, and I think sometimes they show unnecessarily their frustration, which you don't want to indulge in. One thing when you go to a th- when you go to a museum, my feeling is never buy into oh, there's a great artist. Never buy into it. You buy into the artist that lifts your mind up. If the, if the artist does not lift and expand your mind and say, well, he's good, but, you know, that's not where I'm at. You know, Where's that artist that's going to lift me up and empower me for the day? Okay. That's the real secret as far as I'm concerned with everything. Reikonon said religion is strength. Religion is strength. It'll give you strength. Whatever makes you strong in the world is religion. Whatever weakens you is not religion. It's non-religion. So, that's what we're about, this all-embracing spirituality. This is the grand principle of Vedanta. All-embracing spirituality, a larger knowing, a very elemental awareness, and it's progressively manifesting itself through all of secular life. All of our arts, our humanities, and our social sciences, as well as all of our religions. Now, what a simple, elegant message but don't get, we can't kid ourselves. This is what they're working on in the transpersonal worlds today. Transpersonal psychology is all about this. If we're to fit ourselves into the modern world, which we inevitably will do, because you see, when you go into, into these transpersonal psychology today, Vivekananda set up this model, Swami Vivekananda. But when you look at the today, they are so ahead of their time. They have moved progressively so far ahead that Vekananda seems like he's been left in the dust. He seems like he's been left in the dust. I mean, when you if you really study what's going on in all directions. But what Vekananda has that nobody has, he set up simple models, simple structures, and the man himself, the man himself speaks down through the centuries. We're going to need heroes, people who represent our ideals, and he's one of the great, he'll be one of the great spokesmen for the spiritual ideal, the spiritual hero. Anyway, the principle of Adanta, the old Mundak Upanishad, two kinds of knowledge, that which is known, knowers of Brahman tell us, the higher and the lower. The lower knowledge is of this world, and the higher one expands consciousness. So, and Octavio Paz puts it this way. He says, wisdom lies, see, because it's going to, as I say, going to be the inspiration of our age. It's a resource that allows every spirituality to really fruition in the world. When you work from this kind of a model, which is open and free and just speaks in terms of evolution, and that's all, all hands off when anything else comes into play. You know, don't put your hands on anybody's way or path. They're all unfolding in their own ways. This was Vivekananda's model. So honor the whole world and everybody as they unfold. That's the great principle of Vedanta. So Octavio Paz says, Wisdom lies neither in fixity nor in change. Wisdom lies not in fixity. Oh, this is the way it is. Our minds nor in change where is it where is it what do I do how do I find the truth let's go here let's go there it's neither in any of those extremes but in the dialectic between the two in other words this is what Eckhart Tolle was talking about in all of his books and that's why he's so popular there is a space between fixity and change fixity where we're stubborn we don't want to grow but we go out into the world and it beats up on us And then change, where we're always running around and looking for solutions and trying to fill ourselves up. And really, the solution always exists in the center, you see, in the dialectic between the two. Now, that dialectic between the two is your open consciousness, your mind that is set in God. Okay. That area you, of you, that area of you that is intuitive, that gives you the strength to walk through life more and more successfully. Okay. That is wisdom. Why is it wisdom? Because it gives you a flexibility to assimilate and grow. It's a very precious thing to be able to assimilate and grow and not be thrown off of our off of our center. So it's a very, very precious process. This is called, of course, the kundalini and the chakras and the opening of consciousness. But really, it's about seeing God and everything, practicing the presence of God everywhere, keeping our heart open, breathing, centering, letting go, so this is the principle we're talking about, and we're now moving into the, the 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 processes. This process of unfolding out. Anyway, it's all about a psychological center. The sages and the sages of all religions speak about it as a peak experience, an epiphany, comes in everybody's life, and then it begins to change us. This is the whole idea, and all we're doing in Vedanta is showing how this this epiphany, this center part. This core essence of us is active in everyday life. It's changing us in everyday life. See? Whenever people go to universities, whenever they study, their lives are changing because of this divine factor in, in consciousness, okay? behind consciousness. So we put it in this larger global context. Secular life as well as religions of the world are all walk, working off of this primordial spiritual principle. This is the idea. So when we walk around, we can see it working in everybody's life. Children jumping down the street, open and excited about life. You know, they prance down the street. Why? Because they're still young and open and innocent, and they're actually having these higher epiphanies. They're working in their lives, just that as they get older, their karma takes over. And they lose that epiph- epiphany state, that, uh, that uh, experience that they're having when they romp down the street in the sunshine with mom and dad there in a secure form. See? So, primordial spiritual principle. That's the main thing about us, a major principle. Now, it's interesting, Oscar Wilde, he wanted to put his own Id- spin on this idea of principle. You can do all sorts of things. He says, I like persons better than principles. And I like persons with no principles better than anything else in the world. <laughs> we tend to move in that, <clears throat> that direction. We like, we like to be unprincipled at times. It's okay. But you see, with it comes experiences and suffering. Principle we have to read people who are principled. And we have to sustain principles in our lives. And as you go deeper, you're going to find that you're going to be confronted with more and more challenges. But they're all healthy. They're all good. And in these principles is process. Now I want to go to the idea of process. All beings in the universe are processing this one reality. Okay? Everything in the universe is processing. They're talked about as holarchies today in in transpersonal psychology. Everything in the world, all beings, are processing this one divine reality by internalizing unrelated, disconnected experiences. and And then what they do, all knowledge is nothing but this. Whenever you know anything, you're making unities out of diversities. You're making holons, understandings. You're opening out into life in better and better ways. Everything is doing this. Everybody is compelled to open up and integrate our unities. Everybody. And when we fall away from that, and it's a pathology, and we step away from that, then we're miserable. Notice the people who are cheerful and remain cheerful? You know, Wayne Dyer. Wayne the perfect example on television. He's cheerful. He waltzes up and down the stage, you see, and he's, he's positive, and he's clear, and he pre- presents his ideas. Deepak Chopra is another person like that. But they're very positive. They keep their minds open. They don't allow their minds to shut down much. I'm sure they have their problems like everybody else. But what they're doing, what they've learned is the art of connecting things up, the processes. This process of connecting things up around us into larger holes and then entertaining those holes. We do it when we marry and we adapt to another person. We learn how to love and open to that person and be present. And then if and hopefully the relation matures, we can start opening up to a larger understanding of society around us. And we become socially equipped. We're able to reach out into the community. And we sense a larger love. And we have more friends. And people we relate to. Okay? And w- when we face, when we come to those parts of ourselves that are pathological. <laughs> which we all have. Problems. Then we break through them. We either go to therapists, if we're... If we're If we're we're clever, we go to therapists and people like that, and they move us through a lot of these pathologies that keep us confined. But this process, everyone is doing it. Everything is doing it. The whole creation is doing it. It's opening up and opening out. Now, this opening up and opening out is always a pulling back, and we'll see that's the practice that's going on everywhere pulling away and letting go. But you do that. what you do also is you reach out and you open up and expand. So everything is doing it, taking disconnected, disjointed problems and things and experiences and bringing them into greater harmony within consciousness. So that when you face those experiences in life, a relationship with another person, you're able to come to it in a healthy, strong way. When you step out in society and you deal with people in the world, you're able to reach out to them with love and with an open heart. Fearlessness to a large degree. And what is driving us? What is it that drives us to relate to other people lovingly? What is it that speaks to us and asks us to be fearless what is it that tells us it's not worth, it's not good being pathological? There's something wrong with me here, you know? Why is it? I don't like people. You know, I don't want to be this or that. But we know there's a problem. But it's that openness, it's that, those brushes with the divine that come into all of our lives, all the time, that we have to entertain. And we have to continue to entertain it as we get older. Age does not excuse us. It's no excuse. We have to come to life openly, and, and and I'm talking about myself too, all of us. We can't excuse the aging process and say, no, no you don't run down. Keep cheerful. Keep open. Keep moving forward, because I think very often the, the aging process is a very healthy part of Filling out all the challenges that we've faced and bringing God into that whole experience. And really making our lives more endurable when we, we eventually let go of the body. So that we move on with greater strength. Because it's always that choice you make. Never forget it because I, I witness it in my own life. I always have a choice every day between looking at God and looking at the world. Finding solace in externals or finding it in God. And you have to start, every day you have to make that choice of looking at God first. And making that your primal choice. And it's painful, and at times it's very dry. And at times it seems pointless. Well, this is is not producing any results in my life. I'm not getting any results. Just continue to look, continue to think of God continue to be present for a half an hour 45 minutes an hour if you can in the morning whenever you get up and you are you have set your 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 casted you you set in motion your life in a proper way so it's these unrelated disconnected events in our lives that we're always trying to harmonize we all have this hunger what's going on around and then somebody tells you, well, this is the problem. You're, oh, that's it. Oh, that's why that person doesn't like me. They have problems themselves. Ah, you go to the therapist. And the therapist, you tell him the se- biggest secret in your life. The deepest, deepest, most horrible secret. And he yawns. She yawns. And says, oh, okay. Move on. You know. <laughs> it wasn't that deep. It wasn't that we so we, we let go of all this these nexis, these things we hold on to. We're so special. And we open out into our humanity. And we open out in our humanity, and behind the humanity is the divine. See? That's really what we are opening out to. Being present, breathing, letting go, intuiting. This is all part of the whole process of of growth. And it's uh, when we do this, we hook up all this miscellaneous stuff, we fall into a better order. Our lives become more orderly. That's the impression, that's the precious experience. There's less confusion around us and within us. You're stronger. What a wonderful gift to be strong. You know what a wonderful gift. We're always vacant on this head. Religion is strength. Do anything that you do anything you want, but know, that always move in the direction of strength. These are experiences I have to pass through. Let me pass through them. But they're not my destiny. This is just stuff I have to work out. My strength lies in the divine. We all have to do that. I have to pass through this stuff OK. It's all right, I'm in utter confusion. My life is breaking down. I don't know what's up and what's down anymore, but let me keep going and know that inherently what I'm trying to do amidst all of this confusion that's part of my past is to to become stronger, more integrated. These setbacks that we go through is, are we just going into the disintegration that we need to address in order to become more integrated? So be patient with ourselves, but be strong and firm at times. Whenever you're firm, whenever you've you've got to discriminate, we all have to discriminate between the real and the unreal. Do I really it's a very healthy process even though you don't realize it at the time. Do I really want to do this I'm doing? Or do I want God peace, strength, inner wisdom, openness, love, inner freedom? And then you have to weigh those things. You have to weigh them in your mind. And then you have to ask, do I want? Okay, now if I want the world, it's going to bring this. I've done it before. I know exactly what it's going to bring. Confusion and this and that and all the stuff that I'm in. Or am I going to pull away and am I I going to bring in more strength and detachment and openness and a sense of inner freedom? And then you've got to weigh it amidst the confusion. You've got to bring that discrimination into the confusion. While you're going crazy, you've got to bring it in there and say, Okay, now is, there's is a choice here. I, I'll stay in the confusion, but I'm going to make this choice. So let me look at God, at strength, at openness. So This is what's going on with everyone. These are the processes. And knowledge, all knowledge we gain is nothing but this. Putting things in order so that we can come to life in more strength. That's all. Fred, uh, Wilhelm Hegel uh, put it this way: He said, with his idea of thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. You have a thesis, antithesis, and a synthesis. You go. We all go through lives to, uh, with opinions. We go through lives, and then some. Suddenly, somebody comes up to us with our thesis. And goes, And knocks us off of our moorings. That wasn't a solid thesis. Because now I'm finding all sorts of things that contradict it. My life is in confusion. So there's an antithesis. And then gradually there is a synthesis that takes place. It's a very simple process. And I love it because it's so simple. But in the meanwhile, while you're going through it, it's also what's called the three gunas in Vedanta. Attraction, aversion, and integrations. We're very attracted to who we are and what we are. We have very strong opinions about who we are and what we are. Okay? And that's our problem. So, while life is always coming at us and hitting us often, the, you know, the harder you hold on to something, the more you're going to get a reaction from the world. So, I, I mean, I try to go through life tippy toe, you see because I'm afraid if I get too strong in my opinion, something's gonna come along and remind me, no, no. So you have to go through life in that way, kind of in the flow, but in the flow in the right direction, set a direction to your life, and then move in that flow, a spiritual direction. So thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. What we want are these syntheses, these integrations, Because it's there where the two two opposites come together, and you get that inner strength. The principle emerges in our life again, a new principle, a larger principle, a better way, a more effective way to come to the world with greater strength, inner strength, and integration. Therapies are all about this. There are all sorts of social therapies, personal therapies out there, all sorts of stuff. But it's about Giving you, you can do it in the world, but with a therapist, they can ask you questions and look you right in the eye. What is your problem? <laughs> Why <What>? Me? <laughs> yeah, you've got a problem here. No, I don't. It's okay, it's okay. You're all right, don't worry. You do have a problem, but it's okay. And then the therapist will, over weeks or months, you gain confidence, and then they can look you in the eye again and say, You know, this is your problem. And then you have the courage with this antithesis to confront all those hidden parts in ourselves, and then we come to a synthesis. All right, thank you so much. Now I'm a broader person. I'm willing to look at my flaws, I'm willing to embrace them, I'm willing to admit that here are my flaws and now I can come to life with a greater ease, a greater strength, a greater openness, and a greater intuitive power. Religion is always strength, it's nothing else. If if anybody asks you to give away your power and your strength in any way, know that, well, you can do it if you want to, but it's it's not to your good, ultimate good, and it's not spiritual. Believe in this way, and you will be saved. No, not necessarily. Don't give away your power. Look at it. Keep your heart open. Lovingly be present with the person. Say, well, let me just think about that, you know. And I'll come to it later and see if if what you're saying is right. So, all these changes going on, these crises of antithesis, and then synthesis is born... And it all stabilizes in consciousness, and we become, our perspective is now a little broader, a little more inclusive. And uh, see, these are the processes that are working out of this one divine principle. We're compelled to do these processes. We have no choice. The serial killer has no choice down the road. We put them in jail, and they get beat up by other serial killers. It's a miserable world in there. And, you know, nobody wants to, and eventually they figure it out in one life, or this life, or early on in life, or later on in life, or in another life. They figure out it's not good to do that. Somehow, the reactions come to everybody. Broader and stronger. Always evaluating and synthesizing, life after life. Here's a story, a little humor of a pilot. He lands a plane in a rather bumpy way as they sometimes do, uh, airplane pilots. Part of his duty was to stand by uh, the door and say goodbye to the passengers as they exited the plane. So he's afraid someone might say something about his terrible landing. It was an awful landing. But everyone left without saying a word except for an elderly lady. A lot of wisdom there. She's a synthesized person. She's integrated. (laughs) She's not holding it back for this poor pilot. Slowly approaches the pilot, looks in the eye, and she asks Did we land or were we shot down? (laughs) She had to say it. (laughs) So that's integration, see? Integration on his part. So there's always a limitation to our knowledge. That's the idea. And it's always giving rise to greater wisdom. And the whole idea of spiritual practice is to enhance this process. Speed it up. See? Speed the process up. Be centered. Learn the art so that you don't have to go through all these lesser experiences. You'll go through them. but It'll speed the whole thing up when you go to a therapist After you've been in a spiritual practice for some time, you'll have an unusual capacity, as therapists will find, to be present with your own problems and to have enough courage to face your own problems. Most people don't, you know, and they live and die kind of stranded sometimes. And they never, uh, Woody Allen maybe is the perfect example, I don't know, of a man who's always gotten into therapy, but he's never really got healed. It's this courage, the capacity to to allow ourselves to be healed that is part of it. So we've been looking at this whole idea of the principle and the processes in the larger understandings are being continually generated not only in our personal lives, but in physics, biology, chemistry, revealing, explaining, and embodying greater principles. The whole world is doing nothing but that. We always are trying to distill down disciplines so we can grasp larger truths. That's what the human mind does. That's all it does. And every time we do that, we're stronger. Here's what William Jordan says about Principles. He says, a fad lives its life in a few weeks. Fads come and go, don't they? A philosophy lives through generations and centuries. Aristotle and his whole idea, his whole theory of, of, uh, of uh, biology lived on through the church for centuries. And then eventually it was destroyed uh, when Darwin came along. Okay? So these things last for a while, and then they break down, and they disappear. But he says, a principle lives forever. So whenever we accept a principle in our lives, the divine principle is all transformative. But when we accept that principle, any principle in our lives, it's there forever. We can't get rid of it. Okay? Truth alone triumphs. That's a, that's a principle. Truth alone triumphs. Or, again, religion is strength. It's a principle. Religion is strength. Now, once you hear it, you gobble it up. Religion isn't weakness. Oh, please help me, help me, help me, help me. It doesn't work that way. You've got to be in a position of strength with God and come to God in strength. And then pray in the right way so that you get good results. Pray for more strength. Pray for honesty. Pray for love. These are the things that give you strength. It's not, let me have more of this or that in the world, please. That doesn't give strength, you see. And it may not bring you the results anyway. God may. So anyway, a fad lives its life in a few weeks, a philosophy through generations and centuries, centuries and a principle forever. Hits your soul, it changes you forever. And... Uh, so it's, it's always a double-edged sword learning in the world these truths. We're always growing and going through, through uh, suffering. I came across this whole idea uh, of the double-edged sword and how we're going through suffering and pain, and the feeling is similar to putting Japanese haiku poetry into error message systems of a computer. Imagine if you turn on your computer and you have problems, and a haiku poet poem emerges. Here's some examples. A file that big? It might be very useful, but now it is gone. (laughs) This is life, isn't it? You see, lesser truths. First snow, then silence. This, the thousand-dollar screen, dies so beautifully. (laughs) Windows N.T. crashed I am the blue screen of death No one hears your screams (laughs) A crash reduces your expensive computer to a simple stone (laughs) One more Three things are certain Death, taxes, and lost data Guess which one has occurred? so this is life anyway this is life frustrations endless frustrations in spite of it we're always trying to open our existing principles and processes or our processes in our lives and our principles into deeper principles and processes this is what we're doing now the curious thing is that as you do that As you open up your principles into larger processes, you become more objective, more mature, don't you? If you can assimilate those larger principles, you come to life more lovingly. The processes in your life become more dignified. You become less reactive, less less immature, more open and mature. So this, this quote from the Upanishad again, by means of that higher knowing the wise behold every, everywhere this expansive spiritual reality. See, that's the big principle that's working everywhere, seeking expression, which otherwise cannot be seized, which has no root or attributes, no eyes or ears, no hands or feet. Okay? That's what's calling to us which is eternal and omnipresent, all-pervading and extremely subtle. It's right there behind us. It's that intuitive knowing you experience when everything is quiet and you're walking down the street and the sun sun glistens off of a window. And you say, ah, and then we go to a Starbucks and we sit down and we say, ah. (laughs) Ah. Right? That's what this is all about. We can't hold on to those glimmers and glimpses, we think. But what we do, we have to do is practice in spite of ourselves, in spite of our flaws and weaknesses. Practice, because practice over time becomes perfect. That's silly. That's a practice over time will begin to bear fruit. You will start being able in time to walk down that street, see the sun glimmering in the window, and catching that and <clears throat> and having that sustained sustain longer. It'll speak to you longer. It'll carry you throughout the day a little more. And you'll be able to, at times when you're down and out, pull back into yourself, breathe, let go and affirm the truth. It's very important to have mantras and things like that, too. So it's all a question of going deeper into this into this spiritual principle. That's what's happening. Pulling back, opening up to lesser principles, lesser wisdoms, as we start intuiting that bigger one that's driving everything else. And that's the practice. Dionysius... So put it this way: love, which works good to all things pre-existing, overflowing in the good, moved itself to creation as a benefit, as benefits the superabundance by which all things are created. The good by being, extends its goodness to all things without exception. For as our son not choo- not by choosing, Or taking thought, but merely by being, enlightens all things, so the good, by its mere existence, sends forth upon all things the beams of its goodness. So the good, by its mere existence, sends forth upon all things the beams of its goodness. And that's what you're catching. That's what's rendering meaning out of all of our lives. That's why we're able to lift ourselves up in the morning and after a half an hour of misery, of getting back into the world, bringing sanity into our lives. So, this is what this is the source, the primordial substance, the ultimate basis and cause that's rendering meaning to our lives. And our practice, again, as we come to an end here, our practice is about pulling away. It's about being willing to let go of old ways so that we can open out into new ways. And, of course, the big practice is spiritual, bringing that divine factor into our lives so that we can pull back and open out into the deepest way. Principle, the process is unfolding, and the grand practice, the grand practice of letting go as we in embrace deeper principles until we get to that capacity we gain that capacity the ability to look at that deepest principle open out into it and then of course all of our healing takes place in the most profound way and i will end with do one another joke <laughs> A little humor success and failure there's a story of the first great civil great step in civil aviation, when the first fully automated flight is ready. Imagine that, the first fully automated flight when, when when there's there's just computer. It's all automated with computers. Imagine you get into a plane and there are no there's no pilot up there. It's it's just it's just machine it's just computers, that's all. Big wigs are shown to their seats and serve champagne cocktails by cyborg hostesses. The engine starts and the plane makes a perfect takeoff. It's exciting, you see. Computers are running our lives now, being taken off. Mechanical voice comes over the speaker system. Welcome aboard. Please simply press the call button. If you would like more champagne served by our robot attendants, don't be anxious. You can now relax because this flight is free from the possibility of error. Every aspect, altitude, air pressure, course setting, weather conditions, is being monitored by state-of-the-art computer circuitry. So virtually, nothing can go go wrong. Go wrong. Go wrong. This is how it works. But that divine presence is there in spite of us. And so let me finish with this this statement from Plotinus. He says, we cannot think of something of God here and something else there. Nor of all God gathered at some one spot. There is an instantaneous presence everywhere. That's what we want. The heart opens, the chakra opens, and you sense an instantaneous presence everywhere. That's who we are. That's our destiny. And even though that comes and goes, the great souls like Vivekananda tell us, once we get established, we start seeing ourselves everywhere. We start realizing that there's this omnipresent strength within us and within everything. And that's the destiny. Thank you. Om Asatoma Sadgamaya TAMASO Jotir GAMAYA MRITYURMAM AMRITAM GAMAYA AVIR AVIR MOEDHI RUDRA YAKTE DAKSHINAMAMUKAM Lead us from the unreal to the real. Lead us from darkness unto light. Lead us from death to immortality. Reach us through and through ourselves and evermore protect us from ignorance with thy sweet, compassionate face. Om, peace, peace, peace be unto us all.